on Auschwitz. The history of Auschwitz is exceptionally complex. It combined two functions, a concentration camp and an extermination center in gas chambers. Nazi Germany persecuted various groups of people there, and the camp complex continually expanded and transformed itself. In the podcast on Auschwitz, we discuss the details of the camp's history and our contemporary memory of this unique place. During its entire existence, slightly over 400,000 people were registered at Auschwitz as prisoners, including 131,000 women. The two largest groups of prisoners were Jews, about 200,000 people, and Poles, about 140,000. Since Germans had established the camp with the members of Polish resistance and intelligentsia in mind, Poles dominated in the camp at first. This situation began to change in March 1942, when mass deportation of Jews for extermination to Auschwitz began. Dr. Piotr Setkiewicz, the head of the Auschwitz Memorial Research Center, talks about the situation of Polish and Jewish prisoners in the camp. What can we say about the reasons of arrest of Poles and Jews? Are there similarities and what were the differences? There were some similarities, however, most of the Polish political prisoners were brought to Auschwitz, particularly in this initial period of existence of the camp, after the series of interrogations, because they were members of resistance movement, because they took part in different forms of patriotic activity, and because they belonged to the classes of educated people in Poland, the elites uh, who were academic professors, who were teachers, officials, officers of the army. So all those people who were considered by Nazi authorities as a potential threat for the new regime. And until 1942, the Polish prisoners were brought to Auschwitz. There were also some Jews. Approximately about 2,000 Jewish prisoners were deported to Auschwitz until March of this year. And they were arrested because of their participation in certain form of Polish national life, because they belonged to the group of Polish intelligentsia, Polish leaders, they were also teachers, professors and so on. And uh, in some cases they were arrested because they tried to collect some food outside the limits of the ghettos or they refused to wear the Jewish badges with the Star of David and so on. However, there still there were actual reasons for the arrest. But in the course of time, particularly after the beginning of the final solution, when the first mass transports of Jews, which were organized by the main security office of the Reich, so the Jews were arrested and uh, sent to Auschwitz because they were Jews. So that was practically the only reasons of the deportation. And when we look at registration documents, forms, uh, cards, when there was usually the field among many others, uh, um, the grund, the reason for the arrest. So this field was left empty. Um, in the case of Polish prisoners in later years, Sometimes also happened that they were arrested not because of their political activity, but because of certain deeds they committed against the, the German law on the occupied Polish territories. 
For instance, there were those people who were singing patriotic songs, those who expressed in certain situations the wish that in the nearest future the Allies would uh, come and war would be over, or that uh, Germany will never win this war. These are the quotations from the documents of the Gestapo and from uh, the police records of the camp. And among the Polish prisoners, uh, there was also a large group of those who were arrested during different actions by the German police. The rounds apps in the streets of major cities, there were hostages, there were Polish uh, farmers from the Zamość region who were arrested and sent to uh, Auschwitz because uh, Heinrich Himmler wished to established there a kind of Germanic island in the middle of the of the Polish uh, territory from where Polish citizens would be removed and replaced with the German settlers. And finally, in the summer of 1944, during the uprising in Warsaw, many thousand Polish civilians, men, women and children, were brought to Auschwitz, of course, without any particular reason. In some quite distorted narrations about Auschwitz. Some people say that Auschwitz I was this concentration camp created for Poles, and then Birkenau is this camp that was established for the Jews, which is of course false. But when we look at the living conditions in the camp, in its development, do we see differences of the conditions for Polish and Jewish prisoners, or they are the same with tiny differences depending on the place where people were kept in the whole mm. camp system. I must say that I particularly do not like this kind of expressions, definitions given for different parts of the Auschwitz camp as Auschwitz one, the base camp, the concentration camp, then the Birkenau extermination site primary for Jews, and then Auschwitz three, that it's an ordinary labor camp. All these parts of the Auschwitz camps constitute one unit, and every single prisoner, whether it was in the Auschwitz one or in one of the subcamps, was subjected to identical regulations. The living conditions were very similar, and if such a prisoner fell ill, he might be sent to gas chambers, regardless of the place where he was at a certain moment in time. If we consider the living conditions in different parts of Auschwitz, of course, to a certain extent, the conditions in Auschwitz I were better. Most important thing was the fact that in the brick blocks of, of Auschwitz I, prisoners had access to fresh water, the toilets, which were situated on the ground floor of, of these buildings. In Birkenau, in most cases, there were the separate barracks, uh, latrines and the washing rooms situated a certain distance from the living quarters for the prisoners. In general, particularly in, in the first period of existence of Birkenau, when these blocks were under construction, the living conditions were worse than in Auschwitz, for obvious uh, reasons. That was the mud in the blocks, that was uh, the heating system was not so effective as it was in the case of, of, of the blocks of Auschwitz I, and so on. However, the most important factor if we wish to determine the living conditions in Auschwitz and in Birkenau, there was the density of population of the crowding of the barracks in Auschwitz and in Birkenau, which were virtually the same. 
based on the statistics uh, from the files of uh, the apartment number three, we can estimate that more or less 1,000, 1,100 or even more people in the blocks of um, Auschwitz one in uh, the spring of 1943, for example. While at the same time in Birkenau we've got density of population in the barracks was practically the same. So if uh, we consider these facts, the living conditions and the impact of them on chances for survival for prisoners in these camps, I think we must remember that in Monowitz the living conditions were slightly better because that was a central heating installation in the barracks and the prisoners had access to them. They could dry their wet striped uniforms. That was crucial in many cases. But uh, the average mortality in, in Monowitz was identical or even higher uh, than in, in Birkenau. So I think that the most important factor for the chances for survival was the kind of work the prisoners had performed in these camps. In Monowitz, it was very hard manual labor on the construction side of IG Farben plant. Some survivors, especially from the first period of the camp's operation, remembered speeches given by the SS, namely the camp commander Karl Fritsch, who welcomed them when they arrived. And one of the things that they remember is that he said, if there are Jews among you, they have one week of life. If they are priests, they have a month, all the rest three months. So it seems there was, from the ideological stand in the SS, difference for treating Jewish and non-Jewish prisoners. Is it something that is visible in documents or this is something that we can only guess from things that can help us understand the situation in the camp? There is indeed such possibility. We can try to check it in surviving documents. The average time of life of prisoners of different nationalities or categories in the camp. In the case of Jewish inmates in summer in 1941, those who were sent to the punishment company, and it was the case, the majority of Jewish prisoners at that time, they could practically survive 15, 14 days. So that was the average time of life for Jews at this period. In the case of Polish prisoners, it's difficult to say what was the main reason why, some, in some cases, prisoners from certain transport had more chances for survival, while uh, the others were murdered within a few months after the arrival to Auschwitz. For example, the prisoners from the first transport, they arrived to the camp and it was probably crucial for the chances for survival. When the camp was still being organized and uh, the SS needed workers for certain commandos, which were considered the good ones, in the camp workshops. Those Polish prisoners who arrived later, they in most cases were being directed to the hardest kind of, of labor, the construction works. And uh, the mortality rate among them was the highest in some cases with transports. But we could find only few survivors from among two or three hundred people. But in average, all those Polish prisoners were brought to Auschwitz until the spring of 1942 half of them had the chance to survive. So that was, of course, the, the obvious tendency which could be seen in the group of Polish or, or Jewish uh, prisoners and it's difficult to explain actually why this happened. Because in the German documents, in the orders issued by the commander of Auschwitz, Rudolf Huss, 
there is no indication about it why the SS is to treat the Jewish prisoners in this way that resulted in the very high mortality among them. I think that such an order, an official order or instruction, had never been issued for the SS men. However, they understood simply that uh, the Jews as being uh, situated on the lowest place in the Nazi racial hierarchy should be treated worse than the other prisoners, uh, including the Poles. That resulted from their own personal initiatives rather than from the official orders that might be uh, given to them by the officers. We must remember that at the beginning of the final solution in Auschwitz, the mass deportation of Jews to Auschwitz, so together with all those procedures of selections and then killing people in, in, in the gas chamber, it began with uh, the opening of the camp in Birkenau. And if these people arrived to Auschwitz at this time, so in most cases they were taken to the barracks when there was a free space for them, namely Birkenau. There is such a tendency visible in files and documents which confirmed that the very high mortality rate among the Jewish prisoners at this time. It was still higher than the Polish prisoners. Then we've got another group of documents that refer to the period of the second half of, of 1942, when it was a huge time for epidemics in Auschwitz and, and mortality was extremely high among the Polish prisoners as well as the Jews. Then there were also numerous selections inside the camp, in the hospitals. And if we look at the statistics, as well as, for example, reports by the Polish resistance movement, they clearly demonstrate the criteria applied to Jewish patients of the hospitals were more strict than it was the case of Polish prisoners. So the Jewish patient of the hospital had more chances to be selected to be killed in, in the gas chamber than uh, a Polish prisoner on average. That resulted again in the fall of the year with a relatively higher number of Polish prisoners who stayed in a concentration camp than the Jews who in most cases died or were killed. And then in 1943 another breakdown, another turning point in the history of Auschwitz when the SS began to express certain concern about the number of prisoners who were able for work because with the changing of military situations of France of, of the Second World War, German Reich needed to have uh, more workers to be used in, in the German armaments uh, industry. And from this time on, the situation slightly changed and it affected both Jews and Poles. It was already in the end of October 1942 when Himmler, for the first time, agreed that the food parcel would be sent to the prisoners of concentration camps. Uh, that might have an important impact on, on the chances for survivals, and it was really in 1943 one of these very important factors that uh, helped many prisoners to survive. The problem was that these food parcels would be delivered to uh, the prisoners uh, of Auschwitz only by the families who had access to these goods, to the food. In the case of Jewish prisoners whose families had already been killed or were still uh, living in the ghettos, that was not the case, uh, that the Jewish prisoners in Auschwitz cannot be supplied with food in, in such a way. 
So practically until the end of, of the existence of Auschwitz, the situation was to a certain extent different. The Polish prisoners had, in statistical terms, more chances for survival than they had. In most cases, they had a little bit more food, bread, fat, and such articles that were completely not available for, for Jewish prisoners in the camp. All these factors undoubtedly had a certain role for the chances for survival. I think the decisive, in the case of particularly the Jewish prisoners, was the time when they were brought to Auschwitz and they arrived to the camp. The highest number of survivors we can find among those who were brought to Auschwitz in 1944, who spent only a couple of months, some cases, in, in Auschwitz. While, at the same time, those Jews who arrived to, to Auschwitz in 1942, they were murdered in 90% or more. We've got perhaps only a few survivors who were brought to Auschwitz in early period of this camp. Probably none of Jewish prisoners survived amongst those who were deported to Auschwitz in the first two years of the existence of Auschwitz. Mortality rate among Polish and Jewish prisoners differ in different periods. Overall, it is more or less 50%. How does it compare with other large groups separately categorized in Auschwitz and incarcerated by Germans? There are two other major groups among the prisoners of Auschwitz. First of them, there were uh, Soviet prisoners of war who were brought to the camp in the fall of 1941. About 10,000 of them stayed in the separate sector of, of the Auschwitz uh, one camp after about five months of existence of this quasi-prisoner-of-war camp, only 600 of them were still alive. So the mortality was the highest in this group in the entire history of the concentration camp. So the Soviets already arrived to Auschwitz in a very poor physical conditions. They stayed for many months in German POW camps hungry, brutally treated. So these were the reasons of their extremely high mortality. Uh, they were also treated in Auschwitz uh, by the Kapos, by the SS, with extraordinary brutality. So that was the reasons of these 94% mortality among them. Uh, another group, there were Roma prisoners who stayed, most of them, in the separate sector of the Birkenau camp. Despite uh, they were brought to work in uh, low numbers, rather, the conditions in this camp, the hunger and diseases resulted again in very high mortality. So most of Roma prisoners uh, were not murdered, were not killed by the SS, but they died as a result of hunger, starvation, diseases, epidemics in the camp. And also the percent is over 90%. Yes, because those still alive in Auschwitz in the August of 1944, only a small group of them were selected for work. All the others, during the liquidation, the final liquidation of the Roma camp, were murdered in, in the gas chambers. We discussed the living conditions for Polish and Jewish prisoners, and they were similar in different parts of the camp. What about their position in the camp hierarchy and the camp social structure that is of course created by the SS. We know that SS men couldn't be everywhere all the time and they appoint functionaries in the camp system. So we have blockmasters, roommasters and other functionaries. We have capos in work mm -hmm. groups. 
So what are the similarities and differences between those two groups of prisoners when we look at the prisoners in the system? We must remember that the Poles, Jews and actually most of the prisoners of other categories, they stayed together, they lived together in the same blocks, in the same overcrowded uh, barracks, uh, rooms and so on. So living conditions were practically identical as well as uh, the work conditions. They had to work together in the same commandos and as a um, supervision of the same functionary prisons as this man. And the piece of their work must be identical. So if there was a commander which might have been composed of uh, two, three hundred prisoners, supervised by five, four, uh, sometimes more capos. So the piece of work of all prisoners digging foundations of the building or the drainage ditch had to be identical. So regardless the position in the camp, the nationality, the color of, of the triangle, the prisoners had to work in the same way. And uh, they were beaten by the capos without making uh, uh, any difference among the Poles, Jews and others. However, there were some characteristic features inside the hierarchy of the functionary prisoners that might be a certain illustration of the attitude of as, as guards or as prisoners as such. Because if we look at them, at this hierarchy of functionary prisoners, we will clearly see that, well, of course, the, all the most prominent positions in the camp were occupied by, by the Germans. That was clear for everybody. For example, the block eldest, the block senior, that was usually criminal German prisoner, particularly in the first two or three years of the existence of Auschwitz. Uh, while at the same time, that might be a Pole who received the function of the room leader, room senior of Stubendienst. Then, in the hierarchy of the capos, those functionary prisoners who supervised commandos during the work. All Oberkapos, those who, who supervised the number of commanders, were Germans. Then, uh, one step lower, we've got the Kapos. In this category, uh, Germans still were represented by the highest number of, of functionaries. However, we can find among the Kapos uh, some Poles and some Jews, a little bit more Polish prisoners than Jews. Then, in the lower ranks in this in this hierarchy, Unterkapo and Vorarbeiter, the number of uh, German prisoners was uh, relatively low, because this post was probably not so attractive for, for the German prisoners uh, as the other ones. In case of Polish prisoners, uh, uh, they constitute majority, and it was a substantial number of Jewish prisoners in, the, in this category. So, again, it is visible there, if we look at this in terms of statistics, that the Polish prisoners have more chances to be nominated on these posts than the Jews. That was related to, to Auschwitz and the Birkenau. We haven't got, unfortunately, statistics for the subcamps, in which Jewish prisoners constitute majority among the prisoners from the testimonies by survivors, we can assume that the number of Jews, the Kapos, was the highest in terms of statistics. If we'd like to find explanation why this happened, why the number of Polish prisoners uh, was relatively higher than the Jews, so the answer is simple, I believe, that it resulted from Nazi prejudice and uh, the practical adopting by the assessment racial hierarchy that existed in the, in the Third Reich. So the Poles were considered more valuable than Jews. Perhaps that was uh, also another factor, the fact that the Poles uh, came to Auschwitz as the first ones, 1940, 1941 or two, and 
those at least who were lucky to survive this first hardest period in the Auschwitz, they were considered uh, by others, including some, some cases by the SS men, as veterans, as low numbers, and then they may have more friends in the offices uh, of uh, the employment division, therefore more chances to occupy such positions than uh, newly arriving Jews to Auschwitz. So that was probably another important reason. Auschwitz Commandant Rudolf Hoess, in his memoirs, presents a picture that the SS can also control the camp by using different nationalities against each other, some kind of a command and conquer view. We will have Jews and non-Jews, we will have different nationalities that may not like each other, but it seems that this is a little bit overcolored situation that he presents. The SS could control everything by themselves. I don't think that it was necessary. If we take uh, statistics uh, and the number of German guards, that it was not necessary for Rudolf Hoes and the officers to control the camp in the way that they tried to bake uh, some prisoners against the others. The SS had enough guards and weapons to control the camp anyway. I cannot see many such examples in the practical organizational uh, of the commandos uh, in, in Auschwitz. Well, that was a certain sub-camp or a piece of the camp in, in the Monowitz made for mostly Polish so-called re-educational prisoners, Erziungshäftlinge. And the, the Lager Älteste, the head of the camp, was always Jewish. I mean, there were three such prisoners who, who occupied this post. But I cannot see any practical consequences of this fact. These Jews, they behaved well towards the, the prisoners from this sector of the camp. Uh, and were considered as good ones among the, the Poles. Sometimes happened that if there was a Polish capital on a certain place which was considered as good, the good commander, uh, under the roof, the good sitting job, for example. So he tried to collect more Polish prisoners in this commando than the others that may have uh, the question of the same language. Perhaps he believes that he could trust more his uh, compatriots, while in this, uh, some other commanders, when the couple was Jewish and these were offices of the Politischabteilung, uh, the different forms of bureaucratic jobs. So in these commanders we can see the, that they were almost entirely Jewish. Most of the clerks were, were Jewish persons. That, that depends on many such, such factors, many such conditions and I don't think that it resulted from the policy of the commandantur, of the headquarters of the camp. Discussing the deportees, Polish and Jewish, of course we very often use a very general words. Poles were brought mainly from the occupied Polish territories, Jews were brought from all around occupied Europe. Can we try to break it into more details? The category of Polish prisoners were, to a certain extent, homogeneous. I mean, there were people who spoke the same language, who had a similar background. In some cases, they simply knew each other, particularly when they were brought from the same places, the same cities in Poland. In case of, of Jewish prisoners, the situation was different. Of course, at the beginning, there were some Polish Jews among the deportees. However, later on, uh, there were mass transports of Jews from different countries. Uh, in some cases, the Jewish prisoners may have some problems even to communicate each other. If we gather, for instance, Jews from Germany and Jews from Greece. Jews from Greece, in most cases, they spoke their own language. 
Latino. And very few of them knew German, and of course, no Polish, no Yiddish. So there were some differences among the Jewish prisoners, uh, those who, for example, arrived to Auschwitz from uh, Western Europe, and those who were brought to, uh, to the camp from the Eastern part of Poland, particularly from Chichanów, from Białystok and other such places. So there are, to a certain extent, clearly visible differences among uh, Jewish prisoners who uh, may have not equally the same chances for survival. If it was the group of, for example, German Jews arrived to Auschwitz in the spring of 1943, who were the forced laborers in the Berlin armament industry. So in most cases, they were skilled workers, uh, they were valuable for, for the SS, they spoke German, they, they could understood the orders. In most cases, they were young and healthy on average. In the case of uh, Jews from Southern Europe, if we take an example of Jews from Greece, they didn't understand German, that uh, there were many elderly people, children among them. They have obviously less chances for survival. At some point, the SS starts transferring large groups of prisoners from the camp, and it also changes the situation regarding Jewish and non-Jewish prisoners in Auschwitz. Well, it was already in, in the fall of 1942, and for the first time in the documents we can see certain expressions by Heinrich Himmler that Auschwitz should become a camp primary for, for Jews, and Poles must be moved to the other camps in Germany. This idea materialized for the first time in the spring of the next year, when a large group of about 5,000 Polish skilled workers was transferred from Auschwitz, or rather from Birkenau, to Buchenwald, Dachau, and other camps in, in Germany. And uh, in the course of time, uh, this tendency is visible in the fall of the year 1943, We've got another order that all Polish prisoners who were arrested by the police in occupied Polish territories should be brought not to Auschwitz or Majdanek, but to Grossrosen. The Jews from other German concentration camps and, of course, from the newly arrivals, newly deportees, should be sent to Auschwitz. So this order had a practical uh, impact on the number of Polish and Jewish prisoners in Auschwitz in 1944, particularly when we can see that the number of Polish transports, the transport of Polish prisoners in the spring of the year, was uh, relatively small, particularly if we compare it with uh, the number of transport of Jews who began to arrive from, from Hungary, particularly after the end of the Warsaw Uprising. Again, we can see that uh, many transports of Polish and Russian prisoners uh, were moved from Auschwitz, was sent from Auschwitz to, to the other camps in Germany. And it, practically in, in the end of the year, in the eve of the final evacuation of Auschwitz in January 1945, there were only few Poles among the prisoners in Auschwitz. So the victims of uh, evacuation, these were prisoners who were mostly Jewish. Are we able to say precisely, to a certain extent, the numbers of uh, Polish and Jewish prisoners uh, in the camp? Well, in case of Polish prisoners, the situation is more or less clear. All Polish prisoners were officially registered in Auschwitz. There were no selections of Polish transports. So we know exactly how many Poles were in the transports that 
were brought to the camp from the central prisons in different districts of general government or from the territories that were incorporated into the Reich. There might be some problems with specifying how many Poles were in so-called collective transports or among those prisoners who were transferred from one camp to the other. Uh, there were some transports of, from, from Dachau, from Buchenwald, from Mauthausen and other camps to Auschwitz. So nevertheless, in terms of statistics, yes, we can say that 140,000 Polish prisoners were brought to Auschwitz, including those who were not registered. And this was a certain category of so-called Polizeihefflinger or police prisoners who were practically brought to Auschwitz uh, to be executed. In most cases, they were murdered, they were shot under the Black Wall and a number of uh, transports of Polish hostages, again, were brought to Auschwitz uh, only to be killed. There is a number of testimonies, accounts of uh, the witnesses who could see these people being driven to Auschwitz, the gas chamber. There were some testimonies of members of Zondekommando who, who said that in some cases Polish prisoners were added to the transports of Jewish victims. However, in the bulk of the Polish prisoners uh, can be recognized among those who were deported to Auschwitz. In the case of Jewish prisoners, the situation is varied, I would say. We have very detailed lists of Jews who were brought to Auschwitz from uh, the Western countries, from Belgium, from Holland, from France, as well from, from, from Germany in most cases, and from Theresienstadt Ghetto, the Jews from the Czech Republic similar lists and uh, the names and numbers of those Jews who were brought to Auschwitz from Slovakia uh, in the first wave of deportations in 1942. There are some gaps uh, in our knowledge about Jews who arrived from Italy, from former Yugoslavia. The biggest problem with the estimated number of Jews deported to Auschwitz from Hungary and from Poland. Well, we, we know more or less numbers. There is a problem with precise data and, and including the, the names of, uh, of the victims. You can find all our On Auschwitz podcasts at www.auschwitz.org podcasts.